to the truth in this heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm excited to welcome my next guest, a musician, songwriter, mindfulness teacher, the lead singer, songwriter, and music director of Ari and the Buffalo Kings. Please welcome Ari Pluznik. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. Um, of course. Thank you. It, it has been a long time coming. I'm really, really glad we're doing this. Yeah. And I'm glad that you read The Music Director. That's a title I gave myself. So <laughs> a big thank you to the band, who I really appreciate. Um, and yeah, when I write like really formal emails to people, like trying to reach out, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm also a music director. Sometimes I throw in I'm the manager. You know, <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to say I'm the man. I was like, mm, you sure? Sure. You want to go with that one? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I would ne- I would never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of the things that I I think titles are important. But um, it's like this bit that me and my partner, she throws out there is from Atlanta. It's like, man, mm-hmm. everything made up. Stay woke. It is that. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. Well, you know, that I, goes deeper than you think, my friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> it goes way deeper. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like, I, I kind of fell in. And this is just more pre, pre-script, as it were. Um, it's not that I fell out of love with this sort of medium, this creative, like, interest that I have in podcasting. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think podcasting as a name or as a title podcaster has become deprecated because it's a way of, Nah, this isn't anything worthwhile. And it's like, mm, I'm a journalist then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Podca- you could say podcast journalist. You just say journalist. It's all a game, you know? Someone um, called me a documentary podcaster. I love that. You it's see, crisp. that sounds feels very like, very like high, you know, high culture, you know? <laughs> it, it feels like because I'm always wearing Carhartt, it feels like I have a tie with a Carhartt button up on. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's like I'm both. Get you a guy that can do both. <laughs> so I love that. You know, as as we start off, um, I, I want I want 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 to ask you to share a little bit of your background. You know, where'd you grow up, and what were some of your early creative interests? Yeah, so I grew up uh, not far from Baltimore. I was born in Baltimore, um, but I grew up in Columbia, Maryland, for a good part of uh, my childhood. Probably up until I was about in fifth grade, which I can't even remember how old that is anymore. But I remember moving to St. John's Lane Elementary School in Ellicott City. So still in the suburbs. Um, But um, fun fact, I went to the high school that um, Snail Mail went to. And my brother, he won't mind saying this, he almost went to prom with her. But she had a gig. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's my big claim to Baltimore fame. Um, But yeah, no, I grew up, um, you know, in the suburbs and it was, uh, you know, I would say you get older, you learn about your childhood, you realize what what is what, you know, and that is what it is. And we're all working with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in general, it was a it was a really nice upbringing. And, you know, I have a um, I have an uncle who's a musician. Um, so I had always kind of grown up listening to him play and it was like some of the best times to like go see him perform. And it was like kind of this magic that happened there. And, you know, also like it's something I've battled my whole life with is this feeling of, oh, well, I could never do that. I mean, like as a kid, of course, you're like, I, but I think that I carried that with me um, for quite some time. Um, but I was always around music and my mom was one of these people that whenever you're in the car uh there's music playing 
Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I know like every word to Hairspray the musical, like every single word. Listen, if you play the movie, like I won't get it. Like some of it, it changed and I really, I can't stand it. I love the movie. I love the movie. Um, but yeah, the musical and she was a very classic, like Billy Joel, Elton John kind of, you know, Jewish American woman. Yeah. Um, but she also, a little off brand, I guess was really into country music. So there was a lot of country music growing up. And when I hit that 13-year-old phase, I was like, no, I like rock and roll. Country music sucks. Um, But, you know, it's my mom. It's her car. She gets to listen to what she wants to every now and then, at least. Uh, So I grew up with a lot of country music, um, which is funny because I think now more than anything, I like to call myself a folk artist. And I feel myself like getting in touch there's that elton john there's that billy joel like classic Amer- like classic songwriters um but then there there is that kind of countryish twinge and there's a proclivity for telling story that i really like even if i do it in kind of like a you know kind of more of a, a kind of like like uh, you get like your your Beatles or your Bob Dylan or, you know, pretty much anybody today that writes songs where they're telling a story, but it's not so laid out, you know. So I like to kind of like I like to bounce between those kind of extremes. Yeah. Um, but as far as like getting in touch with my creativity, I was always playing music in high school. I can say that I had a really amazing high school education um, in music. And then once I got to college, I was playing jazz bass, actually. I learned the upright bass in college. I had just played electric bass since then. Um, And then through college, uh, actually some exposures to some really great Latin American songwriters really got me to pick up uh, the guitar and want to play these songs and also really wanting to play like the Billy Joel classics, the Elton John classics, the Beatles classics that I grew up with and loved. And then obviously exploring other things, but I would say that I wasn't initially a guitarist at all. I was playing bass. And then, you know, through a lot of hard work, I ended up learning guitar and like getting it to a place where I felt comfortable performing. And same with singing. And I just have to like give a big shout out to my teachers um, who really like got me to the point where I was able to like well into my mid 20s, late 20s to the point where I felt very comfortable performing and like you know as an artist you're always trying to improve but there does get to a point where you're like okay yeah i can kind of like relax around this because i am good enough you know which totally connects to the mindfulness thing but we can get into that later yeah yeah. um but that's that's kind of how it started and then it it just it just got more and more like you know i felt like i was creating things that I really wanted to share that I felt was worth sharing. Mm -hmm. And then it's this strange balance of like egotism of like, yes, I want you to hear this. (laughs) Like, And, and, and then this kind of like maybe more sacred process of like flow of creative energy, you know, and connection. Thank you. Um, So it it brings me to the, the, the question about, um, you know, where, where we're at now. Right. So, yeah. Could you could you tell us about Ari and the Buffalo Kings? How how what was the story? What was the the introduction the introduction story? Like how did the band get started? Um, and um, pretty much what was what's the music about, man? <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think the Buffalo Kings got started. I mean, it got started kind of in earnest in 2019. I was working at Creative Alliance at the time, and they had a really great um, Viva Brazil party that I'm pretty sure is still recurring. I think it happens every winter around Carnival. Um, and the music director at the time, Josh Kahn, introduced me to Danielle Williams, who's one of my big collaborators in the band. Um, who she's a multi-instrumentalist, has traveled all over the world, has a really deep interest in different folk musics around the world. And we met and like kind of hit it off. And then I had played with um, my really good friend, Gino Hanna from college back at St. Mary's College of Maryland. And we had played with his dad, actually, Jim Hanna, who, by the way, if you don't know, Jim Hanna is one of the like most versatile and in my opinion one of the best percussionists in the baltimore area he plays with everybody you know he's just like one of these people that's like wherever wherever you go you probably might see him and he's just so talented um so that was the original band it was it was literally father and son and then me and danielle and we all kind of got together because we do have this interest in like world folk traditions and world folk music and you know kind of like playing with music genre boundaries <clears throat> in a way that's still kind of in this um, like acoustic theme and this like very like, you know, natural instruments theme, you know? So that's how it started in 2019. And like we were, were, we were all growing, maybe with the exception of Jim, who like I'm obviously is growing, but is very like established. So we were just very lucky to play with him. We were all growing as musicians and growing as a band. And eventually the band itself grew and we added many more collaborators, um, including Gabe Bustos on bass, who also has an amazing like country bluegrass project called um Oh, I hope I get this right, Gabe. I'm sorry if I don't. It's called Gin Con Leche. It's a great name, Gin Con Leche. Um, and then we added <clears throat> as well a great collaborator, collaborator, Samantha Flores on cello, which brings this really warm kind of classical orchestral vibe um, to our music. And I'll just throw in too that um, Samantha and Danielle have a great project themselves called the Bayberries where they kind of do a similar thing where, where they're using, um, you know, kind of more classical instruments, but in folk modalities, which mm -hmm. just leads to very cool, um, a very cool result. And they've been like creating and performing a lot of really cool new music. So we're all really interested in this idea of like, how do you take instruments that maybe you don't always hear and put them you know, my at least my approach is put them in a place where you like wouldn't expect it, but somehow it really works because it's all in the service of like, you know, straight from the heart songwriting. Yeah. And that's what I'm always trying to go for. So, you know, we had kind of been rolling with that and just seeing what we could do. And then we got, in my opinion, super lucky when I was renting out a room in my house in Abel mm -hmm. and um, this guy shows up. His name is Snehesh Nag. He's from Kolkata. And he's just looking for a room to stay. And he, like, mentions, oh, yeah, I play sitar. And I was like, that's cool, man. I've been listening to, like, I was listening to, like, just some, like, sitar thing at the time. Um, it was actually a sitar. <laughs> like, it was a Jewish-Indian uh, mix of, like, of, like, klezmer music and yeah. Hindustani classical music, which 
um, was really cool. I I should listen to it again. I haven't listened to it in a long time. <laughs> but anyways, he moves in, right? Yeah. Like surreptitiously. And then uh, I hear him playing and he's amazing. He's like uh, amazing. And he actually comes from a long line of, of sitar players in Kolkata. Um, and, you know, I was like, well, you know, just because you're good at sitar doesn't mean that you can play in a band. So I was like, well, let's jam. So we jammed. I played some of it. I played him some of my songs. He did an amazing job. Three days later, he was on stage with us at Andy Music. And then that's kind of like the core band now, which is like seven people, which is like very cool for me. I've always loved like big bands, lots of instruments from a music business point of view. It's a difficult like thing to do, but we're in Baltimore. People have a really big hearts and like are really interested. I like I do think in Baltimore people are genuinely interested in like real creativity and doing like cool things. Um, so I've I've been feeling very fortunate. And you know, you asked about like what the music is about. For me, it's all about being genuine, and it's about you know connecting to um, your heart and mind. I call our music like songs from the heart mind. And it's all about, you know, like realize, like looking at the joys in life and looking at the difficulties in life and being able to hold both simultaneously. And it's very deeply connected to kind of my mindfulness journey and my journey as a teacher. Um, and it's this thing that I'm always trying to basically, you know, when I'm teaching meditation and teaching mindfulness, it's very direct. I can be very direct. And in art and in music, especially, it can be just as direct, but it's done in a different way. And it's done a little more metaphorically. It's done with sound. It's done with emotional texture, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm still working on that every day. I'm like trying to write a new song, you know? So that's kind of where, where the journey is. And that's what I'm always trying to do. And, yeah. you know, the hope is that it helps people out. We had somebody at a concert who's a good friend of ours, who's also like a, a, career musician and he was like you know Ari that was like a therapy session are you like I started feeling things and I started getting a little like ooh, I don't know but then I was like oh you know what Ari and the band are here it's it's okay it's okay I can feel these things and I that was just great for me to hear I was like okay I think I think it's working I don't I don't know that's wonderful <laughs> and so and, and I want and I'm definitely I want to go back into, you know, your your sort of roots in mindfulness and sort of that journey. I want to ask you these two questions. Um, yeah. One is related to to the sitar. So I definitely have to to ask you this. So I listened to your performance listened to this video um, of uh, living in 3D. Uh, it was, yeah. uh, it was this living in 5D. 5D, sorry, living in 5, yeah. 5D. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> it's, it's listed as my third question. <laughs> and mm. so um, living in 5D, and it was at uh, And Die Music. And, you know, I, and I love the addition of, like, the sitar solo. So, like, you know, could you share, like, you know, some of those, like, other, maybe non-musical, but really sort of what that vibe might be that you're you're trying to create with, whether it's the the stage performance, and I think you were touching on it there a bit, as to it almost feels like, hey, we're not, not necessarily going to church, but we're going to sort of this, yeah. if we're all in this being, we're always like, <laughs> it's for your heart, my, that, that thing. So, so, so yeah. share a bit more about that. 
Of course, I would love to. Uh, I'll share the joke that people are always like, Ari, don't start a cult, man. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I want to state for the record, I have no intentions of ever starting, forming, or being a part of a cult. <laughs> Which is also a joke, my friends. I don't think I'm capable of starting a cult. Thank you. Um, That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that you know, it's kind of this amazing thing that happens. And I feel it all the time when I'm teaching that, you know, the minute that you get real, people will get real with you, you know, and especially if you're kind of in the position of a performer or a teacher in a position where people are paying attention to you. If you are able to kind of connect with, you know, what is genuinely happening to you right now and in your life and what is true to you, it kind of puts people in that place. And I think that that's the sacred space, religious space, spiritual space that anybody feels whenever they do anything of that nature. You know, um, it's funny. I have a friend in um, essentially a white boy reggae band, but they're doing very well for themselves. <laughs> and it's not necess it's not necessarily. And I love them. They're called Cashed Out. They're doing very well. Um you know, and it's not the place that I would think like, you know, would be a place for this. But he was like, you know, when people come to our concerts, it's like going to church for them. Yeah. You know, there's something about artists that we can connect to very deeply. So that's something that I am definitely trying to put in. And it's this thing of like, you know, this connection between, you know, when you're at a concert and you're being washed over by music, especially that's kind of designed for it. Yeah. You know, there's this like there's this settling in and there's this like being with that's just happening because you're, you're all there. You're kind of in like a flow state, just listening. Yeah. And then to kind of bring attention to that and just ask people actually at the last big thing we did, which was a house concert in Baltimore, we, we actually meditated uh, like in the middle of the set, which was awesome. And yeah. then like, I would just like ask people like, listen, like just keep listening to your body. Like, how does this stuff, come up for you like how does this song how's it hitting within your body and it's all about connecting with our emotions on a physical level like actually be able to feel like where do i feel tenderness yeah. like we feel so much tenderness sometimes with music or where do i feel excitement you know so i mean especially with the sitar right like that everything that he does in that video which is on youtube for everybody at home um Snehesh is just drawing from Hindustani classical music. Right. I had the the incredible chance to stay with him and his family in Kolkata um, in, when was it? January. So not that long ago. And it was like a college education. Almost every night we were at an at a Indian classical concert. And that's what this music is for. It's for... It's for, you know, Snehesh would say it's not really for the audience. It's for the musician himself to or herself to grow spiritually and to connect mm. spiritually. And through that, we're all able to, you know, mm. so not to mention it's just so cool that like, yeah, we already had this idea of, well, like what would like an international folk music sound like or like a multicultural folk music sound like, you know? I love like all the projects. Like I I know it's like it's probably not cool anymore. I don't know. I, I love Graceland. Like I've always loved Graceland. Like I was the kid like listening to Graceland, being like, this is the answer to everything. And then I learned about <laughs> the controversy, blah, blah, blah. But 
I, I just like that's what re- and a lot of Paul Simon's later work where he just like, yeah, he'd have tabla players and he'd have, you know, African guitarists. One of his bases is, I think, South African, maybe or Tanzanian. But like just this idea of like people from across the world coming together musically and it really creates something really special, yeah. you know, so, so sort of being able to bring together those. I, I believe at times maybe our perspectives are are shaped by some of the experiences that we have. And that could be maybe one's perspective, like maybe the types of questions I might ask, or maybe the type of influences that show up in your music, or maybe how you go about your music. So I think being able to bring in a large swath of people that have different, you just don't want like five white boys just going off. It's like, we're, that's that was fine in the fifties, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, having, just different folks, but also having that sort of, it's not, we're vulturing. It's like, no, no, we're, we're doing an exchange here. This is yeah. us doing a collaborative thing because exactly when, when a lot of times, cause I, I listen to certain things. I'm like, oh, you really did switch it up. Cause you know, I remember, I think it's, it's a, it's a Paul Simon song. I'm thinking, thinking of it. I'm blanking on it right now, but I remember there's, there was this point in the eighties, right. Where, yeah. It's just like everyone had like the sort of world beat thing that was going. Exactly. Like, exactly. All right. All right. What are we doing here, guys? Yeah, or yeah exactly. Even in the nineties, <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's let's take from the queer community and you know, uh-huh. take house music and all of that. Now exactly. I have a house music song. It's mm-hmm. like, are you into that? Which is great if you are, or is it this is the lane now? It's and, like the trend, right? Yeah. Are you just feeding into whatever the trend, you know? But, you know, this sort of experience, that's that's the thing that I'm yeah. kind of getting in, you know, because I felt something. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to gas you up. I felt something. I was watching wow. some of the different videos. And I was like, OK, I get it. it. You know, that was that was that. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'll say it reminded me of this period, probably like between 2009 and 2011, uh-huh. where I was listening to a lot of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Circles. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like that. And it took me back. And it's like, you guys are not playing the same stuff, but it was like, this is an experience. And it reminded me of that time. And it took me back to that time while listening to your stuff. It's tenderness. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Just being, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. I listen to Kendrick Lamar's album and it's so tender, like the new one, you know? It's like, it's like just that, like, it's realness. And I'm not saying like I'm the most real, whatever, but like, (laughs) If I'm trying, if I go up on stage or I'm writing a song and I'm just trying to be like just tender with myself, like what is going on with me? What, even if it's not a tender song, like let me, like, let me do this straight from the heart. It's going to have that effect, you know? There, there is, and I think that's what people look for. They look for authenticity. That's the, it almost feels like a a buzzword because it's overused, but they're looking for what feels real. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that, I take from listening to some of your stuff. Like I said, you know, and I joke about it on occasion when I'm doing research for like a guest, I feel like, you know, you watch one of those movies and you see like the threads that's going like, now this is connected here and that's connected. Yeah. Here. I feel like I was doing <laughs> that, like through a YouTube search. Right. And I, I can say like your, your music is like introspective, like you and you in a band, your, your music is introspective and it's, it's funny at, at times. I'm like, yeah, okay, I wasn't expecting to hear that. That's yep. really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely yeah. ele- uh, evident in um year or two, which I was just like, uh-huh. okay, 
I was like, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> really talk to me a little bit about like sort of that that courage that's in songwriting to at times like share things that may be, you know, more personal, may dig up some old feelings and things of the sort, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, creative folks, you know, as you and I are, you more than me, I'm just a guy with a microphone, but we, we really, when it's something that we're doing, we really get connected to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we say we, we, we're doing it for ourselves and it is a big piece of it. We're doing it for ourselves, but you want to see how it's received too. Yeah. You're sharing a thing. Right. You're like, all right, what do people think? This isn't like my real life right here, especially when you're being real and vulnerable. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> oh man, that's the scariest thing. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, I, I sometimes think about it like, like there's, I don't have a choice, you know, like a lot of the first album that's out now, um, which is just our self-titled Ari and the Buffalo Kings. It was really me uh, metabolizing just what had happened to me within the period of, let's say, 2016 to 2019, where I was, I was in Peace Corps. I was living in Africa, in Mozambique, uh, it was it was an amazing experience i'll say and it was an extremely difficult experience and uh, like quite isolating and then i came home and had a really bad breakup and so i was like kind of like like totally like readjusting to home my heart's broken i didn't know what to do and actually like the day after the breakup i was house sitting alone (laughs) like at at my neighbor's house and they had a piano and i just started writing the song mr atom bomb which is one of my favorites off that track um and it was a way for me to just metabolize what was going on just to let it like kind of run through me and to to almost honor the feelings you know and be like okay this is what's here let me like it just helps me to feel better you know and especially as a as a musician but like you know as a as a kid with a guitar you know i'd like sing like you know any of like one of those billy joel songs you know and just like really get into it because it was a way for me to like express you know to kind of get the emotions moving so that they're not all just pent up inside me you know um and and that was actually before i really started practicing mindfulness so that was a way for me to to do it and then i i got in touch with actual practices that get a lot more subtle, get a lot more deeper, and then you're really able to see what's going on and you're able to, um, you know, metabolize it through that. That's something that the the great Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh always talks about is like we're transforming suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you look at your suffering and you're able to accept it and be with it and watch it as it changes, you're actually transforming it into like compassion, into joy, into whatever, you know? Yeah. So... I think with my music, I'm always trying to do that. And I'm trying to like, you know, be a poet too at the same time and be like, this is our human experience. What can I, what can I say about it that makes you feel safe, makes you feel at home, but also makes you feel like whatever you're feeling is valid. Whatever you're feeling like, if it's here, it's okay, you know? And how can I do that through music? And like, I'm always about like music, like, having that kind of vibe like even if it's upbeat even if it's this like you're not going to listen to my music in a club it's not meant for that you know and (laughs) and like that's okay 
My music, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, hey, if a DJ <laughs> wants to get together with me, I'm oh, I'm down, dude. Um, like <laughs> you know, the music's not about the club, right? Yeah. It could be, but it's but it isn't um, necessarily. If you want to bump it, like I'm not going to stop you. So the music is uh so it's not so it's not for the club as it were but you don't you're not you're not against that <laughs> i'm i'm absolutely not against that and honestly if anybody wants to try it out be my guest i would love that and i'd be down for any further collaborations i'm a you know i'm an open kind of guy let's see what happens but i would say it's you know it's really music for long car rides it's music for you know sitting in nature and just kind of listening to the music and listening to yourself and, you know, seeing what, you know, what, what kind of happens, you know, I, uh, I think some of the best things music can do for us is just kind of like teach us what's going on in ourselves and teach what's like kind of point a finger to what's going on in our lives too. So that's really what I'm trying to do kind of, you know, as a musician, as a poet, as as a mindfulness teacher i'm just trying to point to what what is true in my life you know and oftentimes what is true in my life is true in a lot of our lives so in that and thank you for that um so in that i want to kind of close out on these these last two questions that are uh, mindfulness related one is sort of the you know how did you get into sort of mindfulness, being aware of it um, and like being a practicer and then later a teacher in that, that arena? Yeah, of course. So, you know, kind of around that time when I was having a, you know, difficult time around like, you know, 2019 ish, um, I was writing all this music. I was, you know, I'm like, I'll be a songwriter. I'll do this. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it was, it was a huge help. And I'm, so happy I did it and and music will always be um kind of what I turn to to connect to myself and and to connect with others and I I just have like such a love for it um and it also wasn't cutting it like I was still like racked with anxiety um it just experiencing some very difficult emotions that you know we've all experienced at one point or another um and kind of through kind of going through that and kind of being like, okay, uh, hmm, uh, enough already, please. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I had actually been exposed to meditation at, in college, um, cause I've always been interested in it. You know, I, I said recently in another interview that, um, which is funny because one of the clinics I work with put this in their advertisement for a class I'm doing, um, you know, I grew up watching Star Wars and I loved Star Wars. And if I could have chosen, and this is would still be my choice. Like if I could have chosen like, a like the profession that would have been the best for me, it would have been like Jedi master, of course, <laughs> you know? And like, there is something about like, uh, you know, like just like these people, you know, that would like, like some, somehow they're so centered and <laughs> they're, you know, but they're still doing cool stuff, you know, of course. Um, <laughs> So that, you know, it did kind of get, you know, and George Lucas pulled from Zen and pulled from a lot of these Asian sources. Um, So I'd always had that seed in my mind, like, oh, I would love to, like, do that. But I don't think that's for me. I'm not like, 
you know, I don't know. I don't even like I didn't know anything about it. And, you know, through this college course called um, Meditation in the Mind, which was half of a philosophy course, half of a neuroscience course, you know, we kind of learned about different modalities within meditation and kind of learned some of the neuroscience backing. I was actually studying biology in school. So this wasn't like totally out of my purview, <laughs> like, right. which is surprising, of course. Um but that really like that's actually where I learned how to meditate. Our professor actually like taught us like kind of a very basic Vipassana practice, um, which is just means insight practice. It's just paying attention to what's within your body and in, within your surroundings in the yeah. present moment. Um, so I, I had been doing that since college, um, but. I had struggled with kind of a maintaining a practice. I struggled with like going deeper. And finally in the Baltimore area, actually I started going to insight meditation community of Washington classes who have a Baltimore chapter. And then I got put in touch with um, my teacher, Stan Eisenstein, who actually teaches in my hometown. Um, so all through the pandemic, I was attending his classes once a week, um, meditating a lot. I attended some retreats and you know, being a practitioner in that way really just helped me to understand what was going on inside me, understand my anxiety, how it arises, what it does to my body and my mind. Um, learning how to befriend it is a big thing, like learning how to befriend the anxiety, like, oh, it's here. I don't have to push it away. I don't have to wish things were different. I can actually just be with it and kind of notice well, what does this do to my system? Like, oh, I feel really tense in my chest or I feel like, you know, we, we're actually instructed to like locate where is it, you know? And so I'd feel it around my solar plexus and might like radiate out, you know? Um, and it's felt as like this tension or throbbing and like, you know, there might be color associated. There might be so like um, vibrations or numbness and all this kind of stuff. Um, so as a practitioner and, and going on retreats and stuff, it was very, very helpful for me um, just to like get to get to understand how it is our psychology works and how it is our like our lives work. Um, I essentially saw the opportunity to become a teacher um, through the mindfulness meditation teacher program, which is offered by Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock. And Jack Cornfield is a Buddhist meditation teacher I had started following through just kind of my um, explorations. And he's one of the bigger names here in the West and in America, at least. Um, so I had listened to one of his audiobooks. I had really like read some of his other stuff, really appreciated his voice as a teacher. So yeah. I saw this program and I actually got to go to my my local teacher, Stan Eisenstein, and just say, hey, like, do you think that this is a good idea? I don't at that time, I didn't really want to be a teacher i was like i'm in no position to do that <laughs> um but what i wanted to do was really deepen my practice and have like a reason to do that yeah. um so he had he had encouraged me and he had really said you know like you know you haven't really been practicing all that long at the time um but we have a need for younger teachers for people to share this kind of stuff um, with kind of younger people it, most of these classes i was with it was like 60 year old um, typically in Baltimore, way different, but at least in the Ellicott City chapter, like six year old white people, mostly white women, you know? Um, so it's interesting to like, you know, do that and be kind of a slightly different demographic. 
and um you know kind of get into it because it, it really is practices for everyone and that that whole like dia component is something that we talked about a ton in the program is how do we you know how can we share this in a way that feels good you know how can we um you know make these practices available to everyone because honestly retreats can be quite expensive depending on who you're going with and there's a whole world associated with that um so anyways with the encouragement of my teacher i joined the the two-year program and i just finished last january um which is super exciting and i'm calling myself a certified mindfulness teacher although the certificate is still in the mail but i think that it's okay (laughs) well congratulations Thank you. Yeah, it was it was an it was an amazing experience. You know, we did practicums, we had groups, we like learned how to teach, we would teach to each other. I taught a few courses through it. And, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm hoping to be having a regular weekly class, like just a drop in free of charge, donation based, like come check it out class where we'll meditate and we'll talk and we'll share our experiences and it's just like a really great way to to connect with with like who we are who we truly are and connect with you know just what's going on you know we we live such distracted lives sometimes a lot of times and it's just good to take some moments just to just to settle in and to um, reconnect with ourselves and there's that kind of amazing thing that happens also at concerts where we end up connecting with others through that you know the rapid fire portion of the truth in this art is brought to you by well the, the truth in this art make sure you follow us on instagram at truth in this art and on all of the podcast platforms uh, namely spotify and apple uh amazon podcast stitcher you know, all of that good stuff. Um, leave a review when you can, five stars or whatever you think we deserve um, to help get, you know, more awareness on this great podcast and more awareness on these stories. This is how this sort of platform grows. So with your support, we can continue to do that to get these great stories out there. Now back to the podcast. I actually kind of got that last question I was looking to get an answer on. So I think we got it. Um, and so with that, I want to move into in the final moments. I want to move into the rapid fire portion of the pod because you know I got I got some questions. I got some questions okay. for you. Okay. Uh, you know, as a as a as a as an overthinker myself, I always like to give someone the same sort of advice. I would like to get don't overthink them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here's the first one. Okay. Uh, if you had to change your name, your first name specifically, what would you change it to? What would I change it to? God, oh, I'm gonna be bad at this. Uh, hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know some people that I know some people uh, that switch their I'll, middle name. <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to say my mom. My name is Ari Daniel Pluznik. Uh, my mom gave me the middle name Daniel just in case people made fun of my name Ari. You know. So yeah, maybe Daniel. I also Ira because it's just Ari backwards. So maybe I yeah, do yeah. Ira. That's kind of cool. You can do Air too, like this, you know. Air, yeah, like Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, the music is like Air, man. It's just all all encompassing, bro. It's just Air, dude. <laughs> uh, 
what is your since people are like and you touched on it a little bit earlier, like you know, we're we're doing a lot of different things and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes keeping someone's attention can be, you know, a challenge or what have you. And we're just so caught up because part I think people are very busy. So in that sort of mm-hmm. like uh, estimation, what is your sort of go-to lazy dinner? You don't have enough hours in the day. You're like, I need to eat something. It's got to be good, but it's got to be quick. What is it? Yep. Well, you know, you're in luck because I just did that. Uh, <laughs> really, it's just, um, it's like an omelet, like a really quick omelet, which just means that I scramble the eggs and then I pour it in together. Like, I don't do the thing where I drop it in a pan and scramble it there. Yeah. Um, just that. And like, you know, um, my dad's from Tel Aviv. So we do like, it's a very common salad, which is just cucumber, tomato, lemon, olive oil. Boom. So you put that together. If you have some pickles, you eat some pickles, you eat some bread. It's super quick, super easy. And, you know, filling, which is great. I like it. I actually love to cook. So I'm really glad you asked me that. Ask me any more cooking questions. <laughs> so this is the last one I got for you. Um, you mentioned Elton John a few times earlier, and this was actually a question that I was asked uh, recently. Okay. So I'm going to pass it over to you. Uh, what is your favorite Elton John song? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. I know. Oh, man. Mine's was still oh. standing, by the way. Oh, that's a great one. I'm still standing. Oh, that's <laughs> such a good one. And Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road as well. That's another good one. Yeah. So it's, you know what? You know which one I really like, which is surprising to me because I love all of those. Like, and I love that album, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. It's one of my favorite albums. Um, But it's Don't Let the Sun Come Down on Me. That song, Any Chance I Get at Karaoke, I'm singing that song, which is like kind of not fair because I'm I'm what you might call a professional singer at this point. (laughs) But it's just like oh man it's just like and in a karaoke bar i can sing that song like i'd never be able to perform it unless i had like the full band like i didn't actually have to play anything i can just like you know that song is just like oh go listen to it if you're it like you could pause the podcast and go listen it's just like (laughs) it's so it's got something that they say in flamenco music it's got the duende it's like this like passion but it kind of hurts you know, it's like this raw, like, oh, don't let the sun go down on me. Don't let the sun. Although I search myself, it's always something else I see. Oh, it's just like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to check it out. Um, I've never checked that one out. So, uh, oh, something dude. To do. Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Light a candle. <laughs> <laughs> So, so in that, in the final moments here, um, I want to, one, thank you for being on this podcast. It's been truly a pleasure. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to share, you know, anything you have in the final moments, social media, website, the floor is yours. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been like a real pleasure. Um, please, if you're listening and you want to just keep in touch, um, you can find me on Instagram at at A-R-I underscore Buffalo Kings. Um, you can also visit our website, which is ariandthebuffalokings.com. And if you visit our website, we actually have a page where you can sign up for our email list. And it's become kind of my like music and mindfulness email list. So I share any upcoming concerts. We do have a second album that will be coming out, hopefully at the end of the summer, if not early fall. 
um, which I really encourage you to check out and to be in touch with because we'll be doing a lot of cool things around that. And just stay in touch because I will be offering, as I mentioned, weekly drop-in meditation classes. I'll be doing um, courses and workshops. I'm hoping to get into some one-on-one coaching. So do keep in touch. And we have a lot of uh, great things coming up. So we'd love you to be a part of it. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Ari Plusnik from Ari and the Buffalo Kings for coming onto the podcast and spending some time with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. 